Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Analytics Show, the podcast that helps you get better at marketing analytics. This podcast is brought to you by Supermetrics. Over half a million marketers use Supermetrics to move data from popular marketing platforms such as Facebook, Google Analytics, and HubSpot to their favorite analytics, reporting, and data warehouse tools, including Google Sheets, Excel, Google Data Studio, Google BigQuery, and more. Give Supermetrics a spin and search a 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. I'm your host, Anna Shitko, and today our guest star is Colby Flood, a founder at WriterClick. In this episode, you'll learn how to test audiences, messaging themes, and copy structures, which metrics marketers should analyze to optimize e-commerce campaigns effectively, and what kind of data to collect when onboarding a new client. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Hello, Colby, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, we are super, super happy to have you on the Marketing Analytics Show. And again, this time we have a really, really interesting topic, which is all about testing e-commerce campaigns with a purpose and a structure. And who doesn't love purposes and structures? So my first question to you, Colby, is what are the components of an e-commerce campaign planning process? And more specifically, the process you've created. So what kind of components marketers should pay attention to when they're just getting started with their e-commerce campaign planning? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, So we have created a process with working with clients. And I would say the first thing you should definitely do is understand the account data as it is. If you have an account that is uh, already existing, take the time to go in there, audit the account, and understand what the current bottlenecks in your campaign or in your account are. So you can really know what you need to be focusing your time, energy, and attention on when you're going into uh, taking over that account. The next thing I would say is clearly understanding the business goals, right? If you're working with a client, understand their goals, not just their ROA goal, but are they looking to maybe sell a certain collection or a certain product more than another, right? So clearly understand the client's goals and uh, what they're wanting to achieve in their account. The next thing we do is really focus on tracking and attribution. I'm sure you hear that all the time now after uh, 2021 with everything that happened with Apple. We have an iOS 14.5 checklist and also just kind of a general tracking checklist we like to look at. So is conversion API set up? Are aggregated events properly set up? Is the domain verified? We actually do something as well where we connect, let's say, Shopify or WooCommerce to Facebook offline events through Zapier so that we can try to recapture some of those lost purchases from opted out Apple users or from the seven day click, one day view people that purchase outside of that time window. So we set up that Zapier connection, making sure we have their Google Analytics uh, permission and their Shopify or their store access. And then we really start going into the actual kind of planning process. We have a onboarding document, which I I think we can talk a little bit about uh, later in the call, but we go through that onboarding document and make sure that we have all the business's key information, understand their buyer personas, and really start going into planning out uh, what's the quickest wins we can get in the in the account. And based on where the account data is, is it high data? Is it low data? What are actual campaign structures uh, need to be for the uh, campaign? All right. Fantastic. I really, really love this structure. And now we're going to start going deeper into each and every one elements of it, pretty much. So we had a brief discussion before, and you've mentioned that there are such 
account types as low data accounts and season or high data accounts. Can you please elaborate a bit more on what these actually are and how should the campaigns be planned for each of these two account types? Yeah, of course, that's a good question. So we try to, I don't want to say categorize, we try and structure out um, or have themes for everything that we do. And one of those is kind of where the account is, where the business is, right? Because you can't treat um, a account with a website that has 250,000 add to carts a month, the same as you do with one that has a thousand add to carts a month. It won't, the campaigns won't perform the same. So we like to try and create a, a break point and where we call low data and season data accounts and use that to determine how we're going to set up our initial uh, testing methods or our initial campaign structures. We can look at it in terms of page views. Uh, it kind of depends though, based on the website conversion rate, if you will, because page views don't always turn into add to carts and purchases. So we like to say accounts that have at the bare minimum below 1.5 to 2000 add to carts on the 28 day view window, we're going to categorize those as lower data accounts. And if they do have above that, they would be seasoned data. Now there may be some marketers that are working with very large companies that say, Hey, that's too small, but um, we like to kind of categorize it that way. And then we set up our campaign structures based on that. So if it's a low data account, we want to make sure that we start out the first week to two weeks of that account, focusing on the top of funnel, focusing on building out engagement video view campaigns so we can start warming up audiences and creating those middle of funnel audiences to retarget the video views, the ad engagers, the uh, website visitors. If it's a season data account, it's going to have pixel data that is already there that we can start retargeting. So within the first week to two weeks, we can already go ahead and open up the middle of funnel, which would be the softer actions like the website visitors, the ad engagers, and potentially even go ahead and start running bottom of funnel retargeting as well. So I think the clear breakpoint we use is how soon can we efficiently and effectively start retargeting so that we're not just spending money to retarget, but actually getting a good return on it. All right, fantastic. I really, really love this categorization. And now let's dive deeper into each and every element of the e-commerce campaign. So we're going to talk about the audience structures and the messaging themes. And I really want to start with the audience structure and more importantly, the audience testing. So can you please elaborate on how you actually test the audiences for the e-commerce campaigns? Yes, of course. So looking at testing audiences, we like to have as few variables as possible, right? So if we understand that we can create four to five, five to six audiences or ad sets that are going to be the same buyer persona. And what do I mean by that? We know we can use the same type of messaging, the same type of creative copy, things like that. We want to build out one to two campaigns with those audiences and show them the same or very similar ads so we can eliminate as many variables as possible. And we can clearly prove that it's because of the audience or because of the actual ad set that it performed better, the ads performed better, right? And we'll generally let those run for about three to five days, depending on performance, of course, we'll cut things off sooner if needed. But we'll let those run for three to five days and look to see what audiences we can either combine after that based on audience overlap or begin to run on their own in an ABO campaign. So that's the strategy that we use for actually testing our audiences. All right, great. I really love the point 
uh, you mentioned about eliminating the variables. I also think that it does help you get much clearer data than if you were to test with a completely different set of attributes. And now let's talk about the messaging themes a little bit. So how can you develop your messaging themes? First of all, that can help you bring clearer results and then also the ones that can actually resonate with the audiences you've tested. Yeah, of course. So I'll actually answer this in two parts. One is how can we find those messaging themes? And then two will be kind of some of the themes that we use, just kind of give away a little bit of uh, insight there. How, how do we find messaging themes? Listening. We find that the best way to write copy is to listen to the end user or to listen to the purchaser, right? So we have some strategies, strategies that we use to actually uh, understand what the customer is saying. Going on Amazon, looking at maybe the brand's competitor's products, right? And looking at the Amazon reviews, both positive and negative. Looking at Google reviews, looking at our actual client's website and their Facebook reviews so we can see what their uh, customers are saying. Looking at their competitor's ad library because it's always good to go on Facebook and see what their competitors are running and see if you can look at two to three of them and find trends within their copy, right? Looking at their competitor's websites. Social listening tools, things like um, answerthepublic.com or Reddit. Those are all great ways to really get uh, a clear understanding of what the end user or what the purchaser actually cares about. And then ultimately testing and measuring as well. So when we, when you have the opportunity to work with many different clients, you can test messaging themes. And then we try to, when I say structure a theme, we try to create kind of categories within messaging that work well, right? So when we look at messaging purposes or themes, we're talking about things like product quality, things like made in the USA or whatever the country origin or place you're selling is, if that's where it's made. Founder stories performs well. Testimonials, uh, scarcity, the brand mission or the core values behind the actual brand, product features, uh, customer benefits over features are just a few of the kind of thousand foot view messaging purposes and themes that we use when we're uh, testing copy. Fantastic. I really love how you mentioned the listening element here. I think it is also really, really key. And you've also mentioned about monitoring competitors and basically gathering as much data as possible to build very reliable and solid messaging that can actually resonate with the audience. Super good points. And uh, now I wanted to ask more about the copy structure. So now that you've developed the messaging and you understand which audience this messaging is to be targeted towards, how can you actually create a really, really good copy? So what are some of the copy structures that you've seen success with in your e-commerce accounts? Yeah, that's a great question. So we've tested, we've looked to see what's the purpose of the messaging. Now we want to see how can we structure it to best resonate with our audience, right? So we have things like straight to the point copy, right? So 15 words or less, putting as, putting it as clearly as possible. We have things like listicles, which is where you have kind of the copy, the one to two lines of copy at the top, and then you have your bullet point list, oftentimes with emojis because that tends to work best following that up by one to two sentences summarizing the call to action. Listicles always tend to perform well. 
mid-form explainer copy. We clarify mid-form is anywhere from kind of three to five, three to six sentences of copy, often with line breaks within it. Testimonials, right? But the way that we like to do testimonials is not just having the testimonial. I uh, have spent some time also working in organic uh, social and used a structure for testimonials where we would have the one to two sentence testimonial and then have a clear line break. So there's actually a, a clear space in between the copy. And then you're going to have one to two sentences in the brand's voice, summarizing what was talked about in the testimonial and wrapping that into either your mission or your call to action. That tends to perform very well. And then long form copy, uh, long form copy can work. Most times it really depends on the strength of the copywriter and the overall strength of the message uh, that you're resonating. But those are just a few of the copy structures that we tend to use. All right, great. And um, now let's talk about the measurement part, which is probably my most favorite part of any kind of show. And uh, you've mentioned a lot about the copy structures and the messaging and the audiences and testing. So in order to make sense of all of this data that you collect about an e-commerce campaign, what kind of metrics should marketers pay attention to when they are starting to analyze these campaigns? This is the million dollar question, right? This is the, this is the, exactly. <laughs> this is the one that matters. So the first thing that I would say before we actually look at the metrics is understand that there's a full funnel. Take a step back and understand that you can see if it is your ad level or your Facebook ads manager that is causing the problem, or if it is the website level or both potentially, right? And ideally this comes in when you're taking on a client and you audit that and look for that opportunity kind of ahead of time. But if we're breaking it down and looking at the ad level, let's look at your click-through rate. Let's look at your cost per click and your CPM. And one metric that I'm going to throw in there with that is not frequency, although it is a direct uh, variable for it. It's your first time impression ratio, right? So one key thing we can often see is creative fatigue or ad fatigue. Um, and how do we measure that? Normally when your click-through rate begins to trend down and your cost per click and your CPM begin to trend up, you can go and look at your first-time impression ratio. And if your first-time impression ratio is beginning to get around 50 to 70%, uh, you can assume that you're starting to see audience or creative fatigue, and you're going to need to refresh what you're running. Normally, we like to start kind of bottom up, right? So start with your ad, refresh that, and then worry about your ad set. But look at your click-through rate, your cost per click, your CPM. Also, of course, look at your ROA. Now, post iOS 14.5, this can be a little bit more difficult. I would highly suggest to make sure you're taking advantage of your offline event sets and look at your total purchase ROA, not just your website level ROA, because that will include your offline events. And then ultimately look at your total CPA as well. You know, you may have some clients that are ROA focused. You may have some clients that are CPA focused. That can kind of depend on what client you're working with. And then lastly, for the ad level, look at your relevant scores for your ads, right? So break it down into the three, your engagement, your quality, and your conversion rankings. And, you know, one thing you can actually kind of use as a predecessor to the website uh, audit or metrics is the relevant scores. If you have a good engagement score, a good quality score on your ad, but a poor conversion score, 
you can kind of uh, assume or deduce down that it might be a website opportunity, right? So after you've checked your ad level, if your CTR is 1% or higher, if your CPC is a dollar or less, if your CPM is between seven and $15, if your first time impression ratio is 80% or higher, you know that your ad level is mostly performing well, right? You can always test new audiences to negate the traffic quality question, but let's go to your website level. What is your landing page view percentage? That's the first bottleneck. If your landing page view percentage is not 75 to 80%, if you're losing a high portion of your traffic and it's actually coming from conversion campaigns, well, there's your first bottleneck and you need to go use something like Google PageSpeed Insights or a website tester to understand if your load speed is slow. Next, you're going to look at your add to cart percentage. Is your add to cart percentage below five to 7%? Ideally, that's at the minimum that it's going to be at. If it is, you might need to either use your in-house team to look at the website or suggest a contractor or company that does optimizations for the website. Same thing. What is your purchase percentage? Is that three to 5% or higher? If not, you may need to look at the actual shopping journey and you can kind of Understand that by the add to cart to purchase drop off, right? So if you're losing, uh, industry average, I believe is about 67% of people abandon cart. If you're much, much higher than that, you may need to look at the checkout process. So really just kind of understanding that it's a full funnel and looking at the ad level and the website level and not just being fixated on being a Facebook marketer and only worrying about the Facebook side. Uh, coach your clients and, and talk with your clients about the website opportunities as well. Even if you don't provide that, educate them on the opportunity because the end goal is not just to provide them good Facebook ads, it's to provide them uh, a good experience and good results for their business as well. All right. Awesome, Colby. So you basically answered the million dollar question here. And I have an additional one for you. So you've talked a little bit about the optimization process here alongside the metrics. Um, do you have any other tips on what marketers can do to tweak their e-commerce campaigns based on the results they've analyzed to achieve even better ROI? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, do one thing at a time, I think would be my, my quickest and most concise answer. Don't try to change a lot of things because you can't prove causation to positive or negative if there's a lot of variables in the situation. So focus on changing one small thing at a time. We like to use the 30-day, 14-day, 7-day, and 3-day, and also the today view in the account. And we actually, um, we use Supermetrics to Google Sheets, and we have that kind of preset up so that we can see trends in the account, right? So you want to understand not just how is my account performing today or yesterday, but am I trending in the right direction or am I trending in the wrong direction, okay? And from there, you really need to just like we talked about, understand, is it an ad level issue or is it a website level issue? And what do I need to work on? As a, as a Facebook marketer, what can I take ownership of? If I think it's a website issue, I need to connect with a client, let them know that it might be a website issue, but I'm going to test some additional audiences just to validate if it is or if it's an audience quality opportunity, right? If it is uh, on the ad level, how can I understand? Don't look at the whole account. Sometimes uh, I tell our media buyers that can overwhelm you at times. Look at it piece by piece. Go campaign by campaign, ad set by ad set, 
and level of funnel at a time. Understand, is my top of funnel causing low ROAs? Is it, does my top of funnel have bad performance? And is it driving bad uh, retargeting to middle and bottom of funnel? If we think our top of funnel is doing well, let's look at our middle of funnel. What is going on with our audience sizes and middle of funnel? Do we need to build out some additional video view campaigns to increase those? And how can we improve our bottom of funnel as well? Is it our messaging? Are we not running relevant messaging at different levels of the funnel? So try to look at it on the ad account and the website level, and then take your ad account piece by piece level of funnel at a time. All right. These are really, really solid tips. And I know you are a pro with data when it comes to measuring and optimizing campaigns. But I also know you take it one step further when you ask your soon-to-be clients to fill out a form during their onboarding process to collect all the relevant information about their accounts. So can you please tell us more about this? What kind of data do you collect from your customers when they fill out this form? Yeah, that's a great question. I would consider this actually one of the most important parts of the entire partnership with a client is the onboarding phase, right? If you bypass the important information in onboarding, you can get three to four weeks into the project and realize you might be way off in left field when you should be somewhere else, right? So having a proper onboarding form, what does that look like? We like to walk through the client's key messaging and their USPs. What do they feel like is their strongest messaging and their unique selling propositions? We like to understand what are their top products and product categories. And that ties in with some of their business goals as well, right? They may want high ROAs, but they may want to push a certain type of product. What are the offers that they provide? And more importantly, what is their stance as a company on discounts and offers? Some companies are very... Uh, for running offers. Some companies are very hesitant to run offers. They don't want discounts to be associated with their branding. What are their key business and account objectives? We understand as Facebook marketers, we need high ROAs, we need low CPAs. But for example, we work with a, a bike retailer that sells e-bikes. They really want to focus on pushing their high inventory products. When they have a million dollar plus inventory of one single bike, they want to focus on how Facebook ads can get that specific bike or specific bike brand pushed out to the public? What is the account budget and how likely are they to want to scale their account if we see or when we see good results? What is their indirect and direct competition? And this really helps when you're actually doing account research so you can understand what the competitors or what the complementary products are doing, right? Any brand don'ts. And what I mean by that is what are the things that we know we should avoid in terms of messaging and creative? This is so important. A, to make sure that you are properly representing their business and their brand because you do not want to put anything out uh, in paid media that directly goes against how they operate as a business or what their viewpoints or beliefs are. And B, it helps you as a marketer because this is going to minimize so many revisions or uh, emails back and forth for things that may need to be changed because you put that in clear writing proactively ahead of time. And hopefully the business you're working with has a brand Bible or a brand guide uh, that they can send over you or send over to you for that. How they like to communicate. We always say at Brighter Click, um, ROAS, CPA, when you're working with a marketing agency, that's expected. Like that is a 
meets expectations to provide good performance on your ads. We like to look at communication and communication led through education as our core offering or as how we go above and beyond. So we want to understand how they like to see reporting. Do they like to see the Google Sheets from Supermetrics? Do they like to see kind of written out explanations instead of actual data on Google Sheets? Are they open for us to refer them to partner agencies for opportunities if we see that, like with their website, like we talked about earlier? Any questions they've had about paid ads in the past, right? So things that they've wondered just about paid ads so that we can help educate them on that. And then also looking at how they like to communicate for their reporting. I know we talked about are we looking at the spreadsheet? Are we looking at the data? But do they prefer Zoom calls biweekly? Do they prefer just emails? Do they prefer Slack channel? What is the best communication method to keep them up to date as we are going along in the project? Okay. Do they have a good partner or internal team for website optimization? This is very good to know ahead of time because there is definitely going to be website optimizations. No website is perfect, right? So we want to know if they have an internal team, what is that turnaround time like? And if they don't have a good partner, how we could connect them with one. Lastly, we want to look at their buyer personas. What do they see as their top buying audiences? And we have a clear breakdown to understand what magazines they're reading, what podcasts they're listening to, all the key things to understand a buyer persona and any existing audiences or creatives that they may have that they can send over to us so we can get a good idea of what we're working with in their account. Fantastic, Colby. This is a really, really comprehensive list. And I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this episode has already learned a lot from you. But if they would love to connect with you and if they would love to learn more, where can they find you? Yeah, I'd be glad to connect with new people. I appreciate you asking. So on LinkedIn, you can find me, Colby Flood. You can go to brighterclick.com or you can email me, Colby at brighterclick.com. We're actually uh, very inclined to create new partnerships with other marketers and other agencies for the referral partnership program that we have. So please, if you have any questions, reach out to me through email. I'd be glad to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Colby. Thank you so much for coming in the show. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for this. And that's the end of today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. If you'd like to kickstart your marketing analytics, check out the 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. See you on the next episode of the Marketing Analytics Show.